welcome to New Planet, a podcast where we inform and enable a sustainable lifestyle. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of New Planet. I'm sitting here in real life with Aiden Hirsch. Yeah, with our super high-tech setup that we got going here. There are no towels. There's no towels here trying to dampen the sound. We hope that you don't even notice how echoey it is. Yeah, this is a pretty echoey room, but we're doing our best. Um, we're do- Speaking of towels, towels are used to wash stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 towels are used to wash stuff yeah they are and this episode i think you're getting somewhere with this is about greenwashing oh my god that was a beautiful segue thank you i was inspired by the array of towels we have surrounding us there's at least like six towels around here <laughs> anyways <laughs> let's 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 dive into it you know what is greenwashing is it when you wash green towels sometimes no, greenwashing is a pretty common phenomenon. I think that most people, especially if you're listening to this, already know about. Uh, we dug up a couple of definitions of it, and this is what we came up with. There's we did we just chose two of them. One of them is from Wikipedia, which is you know the holy source of all sources for everything, um, and one's from Corp Watch, which is just a non-profit that i discovered by looking up greenwashing i don't know how active they are anymore because their twitter seems kind of dead and their website hasn't been updated for a while but nevertheless their uh, definition is still relevant um theirs is as follows uh, the phenomenon of socially and environmentally destructive corporations attempting to preserve and expand their markets by posing as friends of the environment and leaders in the struggle to eradicate poverty And then uh, the Wikipedia one is greenwashing is a form of marketing spin in which green PR or green values and green marketing are deceptively used to persuade the public that an organization's products, aims, and policies are environmentally friendly and therefore, quote, better, unquote, or appeal to nature. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? dig into those a little bit or uh stig in um i think those are pretty good definitions and i like that the phenomenon of social and environmental destruction is addressed because both of them are important to consider yeah i think like greenwashing greenwashing is more focused at the environmental part and so maybe that corp watch definition is more just a blanket term or it's more like a definition for the blanket term which is corporate accountability yeah but greenwashing itself i think would be more aimed at just environmental aspects of it but i do agree i think the social aspect is super important yeah and i think you know understanding what greenwashing is and being able to keep your eyes out for environmental propaganda and you know other messages that companies are trying to send or present themselves as 
in ways that are focused on the environment when it's really just to grant more market share and have a positive yeah kind of just like keeping up with the times like sustainability and environmental things are like in now so companies have to keep up with that and pretend like they are also welcome to our sustainable podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but with regard to those other like social forms of greenwashing or just corporate accountability corp watch also has other definitions they say other forms of greenwash which i think the social aspect is more like it fits in better with these definitions which is like blue wash which refers to corporations that wrap themselves in the blue flag of the United Nations to like associate themselves with human rights and labor rights. Mm. So it's like another form of greenwashing, but blue washing because the flag is blue. Whoa. (laughs) Um, And then sweat wash, which I've never heard of these, but you know, they're all uh, valid. Sweat washing is like child labor and sweatshop abuses and how, I think their example here is Nike's school curriculum about downcycling of sneakers and Reebok's human rights awards. So companies that are notorious for like human rights abuses and child labor for making their products and they kind of champion themselves as <laughs> fighting against that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of ironic. And then the last one they have is deep greenwash, which is um, a corporate political strategy where the corporations try to police them or they try to get the government to allow them to uh, police themselves through like voluntary codes of conduct. So it's just even deeper. It's not just the public relation, like propaganda aspect. It's like the actual, um, I don't know. It's deep greenwash. Mm -hmm. It's deeper within the corporation and within the government. So that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. We're going to talk about like uh, corporate accountability and some common purveyors of greenwashing a little later in the episode, but I think we should transition into kind of vocabulary of greenwashing and what words to be aware of. Um, I found this interesting article where they brought up the, quote, seven deadly sins of greenwashing. So things to kind of be aware of. So there are hidden trade-offs, which is focusing on a narrow set of attributes without attention to other environmental issues. So this includes things like recycling or, you know, uh, composting versus biodegradable. So just focusing on one aspect, but it's like you don't think about the other ways in which the product has a negative impact on the environment. The other, another one is no proof. So they're making environmental claims that they can't back up. There's no, they can't be substantiated easily if at all. So these like a big example is the uh, biodegradable versus compostable. So, you know, companies are making products that say they're biodegradable, but what even is the definition of biodegradable? We know that composting is when something breaks down naturally with bacteria and becomes soil. You know, that's an easy definition right there. But, right. you know, what is something that's biodegradable? How And how long does that take? You know, can some, everything is to an extent biodegradable, but it could take a thousand years. Yeah, I was going to say that's what one of the, like they have a little... Uh, infographic thing on their website and it says biodegradable most materials are biodegradable Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they won't harm the environment when they biodegrade or it might take like decades for them to biodegrade right we have plastic and microplastics in the ocean yeah our own bodies plastics everywhere and yeah come on it's technically biodegradable over time but you know so another one is vagueness so there are claims that are really vague and it's hard to really understand what they mean a big example of this is the word sustainable. 
because sustainable and sustainability can have a lot of different meanings. One could be able to continue in regards to practice with minimal effects on the environment, while another might be a level of consumption that can be supplied by the environment without overtaxing it. So there isn't one definition that we have all agreed on for what sustainable and sustainability really means. And so companies can market themselves as sustainable, but there isn't really anything to back it up, which I guess goes with the no proof, but it's also just extremely vague. So you can make these nice big blanket statements about how good your products are for the environment, but there is no repercussions for really greenwashing, which yeah, I mean, we'll get into too. Yeah, there's not like there's a a num like a sustainability number or something you have yeah. to reach. It's not like a quantitative thing. It's just a, an idea. You can like hijack that idea and kind of say anything sustainable. Right. Um, another one of these deadly sins that we're we're talking about is irrelevance. So this is a company claiming that their product, even though it's truthful, doesn't have anything that's environmentally uh, like harmful. This is an example of, you know, Hairspray saying that their product doesn't have any CFCs, but CFCs has been outlawed for 30 years. So yeah. it's just like, why? Like, that's that's irrelevant. Hey, we're selling this house. There's no asbestos in the, in the walls. <gasps> Good. <laughs> that's irrelevant. It's very Does irrelevant. Does the paint have lead? Yeah. <laughs> no, those are all eradicated. It doesn't matter. You, like, yeah, that's a good one. Another one is lesser of two evils. This claims that they may be true, but seek to distract from the overall environmental impact of the category of products. Uh, I know an, an easy example is straws. Come on, people, just just drink like a normal with person your mouth, <laughs> yeah. with your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like some people do need straws, but like just be aware of it. And um, another example is Starbucks with this shift towards you know, a no straw lifestyle, their new cup lids use more plastic by weight than the old lid with a straw. So yeah, we're moving backwards. That's like a super good example of kind of a a company or corporation just taking a trend and then like running with it, regardless of if it's actually helpful. It's just like, oh, hey, not using straws is really in right now. Mm -hmm. So how about this lid that uses more plastic, but there's no straw? Let's make an ad about it. People <laughs> are going to talk about it. Who knows? Maybe more people buy Starbucks now because they don't have straws. So uh, the last two are fibbing and worshipping false labels. So this is just you know giving the impression of um, third-party endorsements that don't really exist or just lying about the environmental claims that they make. So... Those are just seven things to kind of be aware of the next time you're in the store or, you know, walking around looking at products or online, wherever you get your products. Yeah, I think the probably just the most basic thing that you can look out for or just it's just a, a way of thinking is just if any big corporation or company is making any claim, it's like always take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, skepticism. Like skepticism is super key today when you don't know what is true and what's not true. If you see it, whether you see it on like Facebook or something or if you see it on the news, there's always going to be at least a bias towards like something, some fact or um, claimed truth. 
But if you see a company saying, <clears throat> oh, we're like being more sustainable now, it's like, well, look a little deeper and just think about why and why would it be in their interest to claim that? Yeah. And I think another thing to keep in mind is just product life cycle and, you know, what happens to the product at the end of its life. Um, an example of companies claiming to be sustainable and using this as a greenwashing technique is the company TerraCycle, which takes products or packaging materials from companies like Frito-Lay, Mars, Kraft Foods, and turns them into, you guessed it, single-use plastics. And this is a practice called upcycling. So they can take food waste and make fertilizer or crush computers and make garbage cans and among other products. But eventually you're going to degrade the plastic until it can't be reused anymore. And then it just ends up in the landfill. So just be aware of this. Um, You can't save the world by buying things. Oh, yeah. So that's my little tangent for a bit. Now let's talk about. Yeah, let's get back to talking Fossil about... Fossil fuels. Oh, boy. The good stuff. Um, yeah. Did a good amount of research on this that was really just heartwarming. But um, we're going to talk about... I was wondering why you look so happy today. <laughs> no, I just was really happy to read about all of these companies that are just... Well, I mean, if you just look at their websites, they're doing really good work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's see why that's actually not true. Uh, we looked at mostly like the four big and most well-known fossil fuel companies, which are Shell, BP, Chevron, and Exxon. <clears throat> and I mean, these are these companies and the fossil fuel industry is probably the best and most obvious way to uncover and kind of understand greenwashing. Um, the the biggest way that they greenwash is is by and they all do this. And we, I opened up their websites to make sure that we can see this in action. But they're claiming that they invest heavily in renewables and they're like leading the way in renewables. Uh, but then it doesn't take a lot of digging to find out that they're still like producing and developing new uh, oil and gas and coal plants. And they invest tens of billions of dollars i mean together the whole industry invests like hundreds of billions of dollars and there are trillions of dollars of assets um in these fossil fuel like pockets but on all their websites they have these sections that are sustainability so on the bp website they have their sustainability section that says advancing energy to improve people's lives from the deep sea to the desert, from rigs to retail, we deliver energy products and services to people around the world. The energy we produce helps support economic growth and improve quality of life for millions of people. So there you go. And then they have a section on climate change, human rights, society, environment, our people, and ethics. The, the point is that they they claim to be like the leaders in sustainability. And even articles say like, oh, BP is leading the way in renewable energy investment. But... Um, in 2018, they in their like sustainability report. Literally, I I read like the little intro to it, and their first like strategic priority is to invest more in oil and gas, like it, clean coal and clean burning natural oh, gas. Of course, is that what it is. Yeah. Oh right. So 
Shell, BP, and Exxon are in the 10 largest companies by revenue in the world. Of all companies, right? Of, of Not, all the companies. Yeah. And of the top 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 are oil and gas companies. Yeah. So it's we are, as a society, insanely dependent on oil and gas. Yeah. But, I mean, um, Shell's revenue was 396 billion dollars oh with the profits of 23 billion so right that's just that's only one of the companies but i mean still investing 2 billion dollars yeah well ever this, well, B, is nothing yeah bp has spent 2 billion dollars ever and then <clears throat> every year they've spent like they spend 25 billion dollars on energy so like Two billion wow. of twenty-five billion dollars. Two, not two billion of twenty-five. Two billion ever of twenty-five times. However many years they've yeah. been spending that much on energy, Shell did something similar. They've only spent point seven billion dollars on renewables ever, and yet they spend twenty-three billion annually on energy. Um, and you know they claim to be like the leaders in in, in renewables and whatnot. But Shell created their like new energy division, mm-hmm. which is like their renewables and everything in 2012. And the frustrating thing about that is that all of these companies knew about climate change and global warming, I should say, mm-hmm. and the greenhouse effect by at least the 80s. Yeah. And like had internal like videos and whatnot yeah. that said, oh, we need to take action now. But then actively lobbied against it, against climate action lobbied to spread doubt about climate science even though their scientists were the ones that were like the leaders in discovering the the greenhouse effect and and global warming if you have ever heard of the book merchants of doubt if you haven't heard of it you should read it but that book goes into detail about this about how uh, the fossil fuel companies like hired lobbyists and tried to spread didn't try successfully spread misinformation about climate science and like smear campaigns about against climate scientists. So um, I think this is the ultimate form of greenwashing where companies have actively degraded the environment, knew about it, and then today wait until like the last minute, like 2012, to create a new energies division. They could have created that in the 80s. I mean, they're still lobbying the government for anti- yeah, exactly. Uh, climate yeah movement action yeah they're uh <laughs> but they present themselves exactly to the consumer in a green way yeah so. the the homepage of bp is like net uh, hashtag net zero something like yeah. hashtag net zero emissions because they have this ambitious goal to have net zero emissions but it's not that hard to just dig up details about what their real interests are in their like upstream major projects yeah they have like five projects here that were started up in the in 2019 last year um all across the world and they're let's see deep water oil conventional oil um liquid natural gas conventional gas dry gas dry gas so all of these different uh projects and then there's one there's a whole list of projects that are scheduled for startup beyond 2019 and it's i don't know 20ish here projects most of which are deep water oil or conventional oil yeah 
I also want to bring up the super ironic name for a project. Oh, yeah. For Shell. Shell has a project called Penguin. Huh. Yikes. Just to remember what Penguin, like the name of Penguins after they've all been. Yeah. Extinct. Sick company. God. (laughs) It makes me sick. It does. Um, Let's see. Chevron's another one. You just go to chevron.com slash projects. Explore our major capital projects around the world. Natural gas, heavy oil, conventional, deep water, liquefied natural gas, shale. Um, it's like the epitome of greenwashing here because Chevron also has their, <laughs> what is it? Their corporate responsibility page um, where they have these sections for creating prosperity, people, climate change, the environment. Um, we believe we believe that taking prudent, practical, and cost-effective actions to reduce climate change risks is the right thing to do. You hear that? They believe it's the right thing to do. <laughs> we should praise them for that. No, but um, that's greenwashing for you. And yeah, we don't need more oil and gas investments. We need investment in renewables. And more than like a percent or so of the total investment by all these companies, we need like a significant amount of it well the other thing is all of these are upstream so we, we're not even talking about the downstream emissions that comes from yeah exactly burning the fuel to make products make petroleum products or power our infrastructure so yeah this is a super complicated problem but you know we're focusing on greenwashing right now so we're getting like, sucked into the hole yeah. of crapping on fossil fuel companies okay Let's talk about other companies. Or <laughs> we can talk. Oh, yeah. We can talk about these companies, but what else, the other things that they're doing, which is invading foreign, foreign lands and claiming their resources as their own and then claiming that they didn't do that. We won't, Okay, let's just do it with two of them. <laughs> Shell and Chevron. Shell and Chevron are notoriously bad for this because shell was um on their website they have let me find it. it's really funny um they have like a community section of their sustainability website where it says we aim to be a good neighbor wherever we work by contributing to the well-being of neighboring communities it's like oh that's really cute (laughs) um but like when shell was in nigeria uh drilling for oil uh they spilled millions of gallons of oil onto indigenous land of the Ogoni people. And eventually the Ogoni people created a movement called the Movement for the Survival of the Ogoni people. And they had a very outspoken activist, Ken Sarowiwa. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but um, he was very outspoken about this and talking about how Shell has destroyed our their country and the, the environmental de- degradation has been horrible. And eventually, the Nigerian government executed nine of the activists, including him. And Shell was accused of being complicit with that for, like, aiding these people, aiding the government and the people that executed the activists and providing transportation for them and whatnot. So that's an example of being a good neighbor, apparently, uh, if Shell would say so themselves. The other one is Chevron. And this was Texaco at the time, but Chevron acquired uh, Texaco. But in the Ecuadorian 
rainforest. They discovered oil, and from the 70s to the 90s, they were drilling there, spilling hundreds of thousands of barrels of crude oil into the forest, seven hundred or 650,000 apparently. And then also the produced water, which is like the, the byproduct of drilling for oil, it's like completely contaminated water that's very toxic. 18 billion gallons of it was dumped into unlined pits in the forest, which seeped into the water resources, obviously, as it naturally would, and then poisoned the indigenous people that were living in that region. Um, Texaco agreed to pay a whole sum of $40 million to clean that up. Dude, that's a lot of money. Yeah, especially when you consider how much was it that they made? Like $40 billion, roughly a quarter? Yeah, and a quarter. Wow, you really got to hand it to them. They really made an effort to clean it up. Anyways, <laughs> they um, they made some amount of effort to clean it up. But that lawsuit has gone on. It's still going on, I think, today. I, I think Chevron is supposed to pay like $9.5 billion. But obviously, they claim that there was no wrongdoing. They have a whole section on their website. The Ecuadorian judgment declared fraudulent. And they say they're defending themselves against false allegations that... Um, they did anything in, in Ecuador. Well, th- there was also that YouTube video that we watched yeah. made by yeah, it's, like it's the Amazon press. The Amazon press or something. And it's a website that's literally just Chevron's view on the Ecuador yeah. incident. So they yeah, they can claim that they're good neighbors and whatnot. And, and then you just look back at their recent history and it's very clear that they weren't. So Right. And the, the thing is, people don't have a lot of options to buy other forms of gasoline for their cars no you know i think the vast majority of of stations you see are like chevron or shell yep and when there's no consequences for just straight up lying then like they're gonna do it continuously right there's no there's you're like oh you lied you shouldn't have done that and then they'll be like oops you got me here's a nice package that's green and has flowers on it seriously like all of those uh i hate going and shopping for like i don't know uh, like dishwasher fluid or like laundry detergent Mm -hmm. because so many of them have like flowers and stuff on them and see like natural Mm -hmm. like what was that picture you saw earlier yeah i gotta find it it was just natural something and then on the back it said this is natural is just part of the brand it's part of the brand and copyright it doesn't have anything to do with it the product being natural yeah i'm glad that 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 is on the back of the packaging but still like come on it's it's so absurd yeah I think the the accountability is absolutely essential because companies can just say whatever they want with their advertising. There are no repercussions. No. And, you know, people are going to be buying products that they think, you know, fool their need by being more environmentally friendly, but they're, they're not. Yeah, and it works too because um, on the, the Corp Watch website that we mentioned earlier, it shows that, let's see what it is. Um, oh, yeah. So Chevron created, uh, let's see, a people, it's, quote, people do advertisements. So it's aimed at the hostile audience of socially con- conscious people. And so this was supposed to kind of boost their rep- reputation, their environmental reputation. And it worked because the polls 
showed that the oil corporation people trusted most to, tr- to protect the environment was then Chevron. And it also increased their sales because their sales increased 10% um, among people who saw the commercials. And then a target their target audiences of potentially ag- uh, antagonistic, socially concerned types, their sales jumped by 22%. So they can literally lie and like say that they're doing things that they're not doing and then it'll actually work for them because people like want to buy things like right most people would say they're environmentally conscious and maybe the one or only way they think that they can do like they can be that way is by being a better consumer and so when companies lie to you about that you haven't like how, what do you do right how do you know what's real exactly green greenwashing defrauds consumers and erodes their trust in environmental efforts yeah and it distracts attention away from what we can each do to help protect the environment by putting a green sheen on our prod, our, our purchasing habits and creating this halo effect so it hides harmful practices from public scrutiny yeah okay let's um one of the good examples that i want to talk about and it's about uh like waste uh, management I like how that's the name of a company. Right. So like their logo is pretty good too. It's so like uh, just vi- like general. Yeah. Waste management. What do we do? We manage waste. Um, and but this other company called Republic. Well, they both do it apparently, according yeah. to you. Republic Services and Waste Management have these trucks that run on natural gas. Mm-hmm. Which oh my god, I didn't even realize until now. But natural gas. It's like oh, it's natural. Oh. Even the term itself is like yeah. greenwashing. Like, what about natural oil? Isn't it natural? I also just hate the term clean burning. Yeah. Come Anyways, on. so they're like trucks say, at least the ones I've seen, protecting our blue. The trucks are painted blue and they say protecting our blue planet. This truck runs on natural gas for a cleaner world. And it's like, excuse me? In what way is that true? So they would probably look towards statistics that say that when you burn uh, natural gas, it releases 50% of the uh, carbon dioxide that, um, oh, that, sorry, Xander is showing me another truck here. That's the waste management truck. Oh, so this is the waste management one. It says, think green, think clean. We run on clean burning natural gas. Mm. They both do it, man. So so that's like, it's like a white, it's like a little white light. It's like clean burning natural gas. Like I said, it releases 50% of the carbon emissions that like conventional oil does. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, yeah. Which is cool, I guess, but it's still like like fifty percent. We in order to get to the goals that we need to, the climate goals and like emissions goals, we need to reduce by way more than fifty percent. And that's that's if everyone does. Yeah, if everybody somehow reduced it by fifty percent, it still wouldn't be enough. Right. So this idea of a transition fuel. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Um, and yeah, the meth so the methane aspect of it, it's like. If 3% of the methane, um, so I should preface this by saying natural gas um, is primarily methane, that when unburned methane goes into the atmosphere, it has like a much higher global warming potential than any other uh, greenhouse gas. 70 times. Yeah, so it's like lasts longer in the atmosphere, but it traps a lot more heat than CO2 does in that time. And so... There's not very many good ways to track how much methane gets leaked when you're drilling for natural gas. 
And so if apparently if only 3% of that gets released into the atmosphere, it just cancels out the, the quote unquote clean burning aspect of, of natural gas because of its global warming potential. <clears throat> and so this is just like a conveniently left out part about the clean natural gas like revolution that's happening. It's like, oh, it burns cleaner, but guess what? If we actually don't keep uh, 3% of the methane in the ground when we're like drilling these wells, then you might as well just not even call it clean because it's, it's you're, the global warming potential is just got skyrocketed from all that methane. Yeah, and just so people are aware, Waste Management and Republic Services, they make up about 50% of garbage collection in the USA. And they have these fleets of clean-burning natural gas trucks, which is better to an extent than traditional diesel trucks. But as we mentioned before, the methane is a big factor. Um, and these companies are trying to have a positive impact on the environment. Like, for example, Waste Management has approximately 21,000 acres of protected land for wildlife when 73, 73 landfills are certified by the Wildlife Habitat Council. But that doesn't mean that they're still not greenwashing. So you can, you know, be doing good for the environment. And you can be, like, ethically, like... Ethically, all right, <laughs> and still be like greenwashing. That's all right. That's pretty. That's all right. Well, it's <laughs> acceptable. And yeah, and when I was looking at um, Republic Service, their website, they they do a good amount of stuff um, for the environment and like composting and whatnot. I think the business that they're in in the first place is kind of a tough one. Yeah, it's waste management, right? And we all need to do better at it. Exactly. But I, it's, it's still like they're completely guilty of the greenwashing aspect here. It's just ridiculous to claim that natural gas is somehow like the solution to uh, for a cleaner world. It's not exactly. So, what the heck is being done about this, and what can we do? So, <laughs> yeah, what does it boil down to? Um, it's really corporate accountability. I think we mentioned that earlier, but what, like, there's not really a solution to these companies, like to holding these companies accountable for just lying or some of it isn't even lying. It's just covering up the other stuff that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think regulations is, is regulation is needed, but that I think a big part of it is probably like money and politics as well. I mean, mm -hmm. these companies are allowed to do what they're doing mostly because they in, they invest in politicians essentially, right? They give them money to allow legislation to be passed that allows them to keep doing what they're doing, um, and uh, keeping politicians in power that um, that spread doubt about climate science and whatnot. Mm -hmm that's the huge problem but it's it's a tough issue because it's like i can say i can lie and there's not really you know there's a certain degree to which you can lie i guess and yeah. and not be held accountable for but you would think that these bigger companies 
there needs to be some sort of consequence for lying to people about their products. Yeah. But I feel like there's always a loophole for it. Like, for example, saying that it's natural, but then on the back being like, it's not actually natural. Yeah. It's just like a brand name. Exactly. And I think, you know, the continuation of greenwashing really erodes the trust that consumers have in their products. And it's yeah, and it makes us it's like a super slippery slope. Makes us cynical, too. Like, I don't trust yeah. almost any company now because I just think that when they put something on their on their label... If they say this is clean, I'm like, like, is it though? Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to trust you? Yeah, exactly. And taking the time to research all the products that you're going to buy and making sure that they, you know, align with your values. Or if you can even takes a lot of work. If you can afford them in the first place. Exactly. I think we should do an episode about that aspect of sustainability too. So. Um, yeah. I don't know. I want to end on like a positive-ish note because a lot of this has been pretty frustrating and discouraging. Yeah, but it's the you know. nature of the subject, I guess. I mean, yeah. there's like hope. Like uh, if you look at Bernie Sanders' website, he's got a whole page on corporate accountability, which I think is really cool. I mean, he's got a lot of good pages about a lot of points, but with regard to this episode, um, corporate accountability is something that I think he talks about a lot. So... Um, if you want to maybe be able to articulate your points and ideas about this issue more, he has a lot of good ideas on that page that I think are super important and um, very relevant to solving the problems that we've been outlining. So that I don't know, man. I think we need more billionaires. Yeah, to be running the country. That's probably that's true. Yeah, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> well, be skeptical. And definitely be skeptical. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Check us out on um, on the Instagrams. Yep. At New Planet. Yep. And follow us, please. If you want to hear a specific topic, send us an email or a DM on Instagram. But yeah. add an, our email is uh, newplanetpod at gmail.com. Yes, it is. So hit us up there. We love hearing from you. So thanks again for listening. I'm Xander Kip. I'm Aiden Hirsch. We'll see you next time. Bye.